This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged In-Depth. This week, we talked to Mr. Darren Kettle. He's the chief executive officer of Metrolink in Southern California. Metrolink is commuter rail service in Southern California. And as most of you know, our commuter rail services took a big hit in ridership during the pandemic. And today we talked to Darren about that and what they're doing there in Southern California to respond to that. We also take a great career adventure story with him about how he ended up in the position. I think you'll find this a fun and interesting interview with Darren Kettle, CEO of Metrolink. Darren, thanks so much for being up with us early this morning, your time in California on the Transit Unplugged program. My pleasure, Paul. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, we connected up at APTA. And I said, Darren, we got to get you on the show. Why don't you? Why don't we start off by tell us a little bit about Metrolink itself and what is Metrolink? Happy to, Paul. Yeah, and we did meet at APTA. It was uh, that surreal experience of after being completely locked down for nearly two years that we got to see a few of our colleagues live and in person. And it was particularly good for me in that I had uh, just recently become the chief executive officer here at Metrolink, just starting back in September of uh, 2021. So a little bit about Metrolink. Well, our our official name is the Southern California Regional Rail Authority, but that's a mouthful. And so back when Metrolink was formed, we came up with the shorter name and started as Metrolink in 1992 and started as, you know, know, as many commuter railroads. um, The industry itself is really not that old by railroad standards, being uh, commuter rail being around for 30, 40 years, really sort of in name. But so Metrolink is uh, Southern California's commuter rail system. But one of the things we've all learned in um, these last couple of years is that we better evolve to being beyond just commuter rail because the commute has fundamentally changed. We've learned that in the last two years. But it is Southern California's regional rail agency. I serve um, a member, board members from five different counties. Metrolink is made up of member agencies. We have uh, five member counties in Southern California. We actually do serve six counties. Uh, so if you're not super familiar with Southern California, everybody knows Los Angeles. That's where our, our, our base is. And of course, that's where a major employment center. But we also have operations in Orange County, San Bernardino County, Riverside County, my, my home county, Ventura County, which is between Los Angeles and Santa Barbara. We have uh, 538 miles of of track, 62 stations. It's a big region. Southern California is a big place. We started with, what, three lines in the early 90s. We now have seven that support those that entire region. And we, in fact, do go, we go into San Diego County as well, into Oceanside to serve North San Diego County for commuters that are coming into from San Diego County into Orange County and Los Angeles. So that's the that's sort of a, a nutshell of where we are as a as an organization as an agency, and again I've been I've been with Metrolink now for five months. In fact, it's five months today that yeah. I walked in the door and rode my first train. As a, not only I use the line, not only am I the chief executive officer of Metrolink, but I am also a regular rider. I live in Ventura County, and I have a. When I do the commute into LA right now, it's I'm a regular regular Metrolink rider. I take the train every day when I go in, so I'm experiencing what our our riders experience, and I'm told that I'm the first um, CEO of Metrolink that has been a regular rider commuter of our system. That's great. And just prior to that, you were executive director of Ventura County Transportation Commission. What did you do there? Tell us some about that. 
So, yes, I was one of the questions that commonly gets asked is how did you end up at Metrolink? And I had been with the Ventura County Transportation Commission for nearly 14 years and spent most of my career, Paul, in transportation and local government, bounced around a few different places. But but prior to coming to Metrolink, I was the executive director at the Ventura County Transportation Commission, which is one of the four, uh, one of the five member agencies of Metrolink. So as I'd mentioned earlier, we I serve a board that has five counties and with elected officials from all five of those counties in our system. One of those counties is Ventura. So I was the executive director of a member agency of Metrolink. And so um, so I'd become um, familiar, obviously, working with Metrolink because we were a funder. And one of the we talk about at Metrolink member agencies. Well, member agencies are also our funding agencies. And Metrolink is a little bit different of a commuter rail system in that we are what's called a joint powers authority. We are not standalone. We only exist because we have an agreement of those five transportation agencies in Southern California that come together uh, and fund us along with other funding sources. So I come from VCTC, Ventura County Transportation Commission, where we served what I would say was a very much a multimodal transportation planning and funding agency. It wasn't just trains. We had a bus system, an inner city bus system that served Los Angeles and up into Santa Barbara County. We were responsible for funding major road projects, major highway projects in Ventura County. But we also got into, you know, active transportation, bicycle and pedestrian projects. And so I would always say when I was at VCTC that we generally were responsible or had a hand in everything in transportation in Ventura County, except for your local pothole, because that's what we did. We did everything primarily as a funder. We didn't build a whole lot and we were the agency that figured out a way to pay for stuff and and then did also long range transportation planning for the Ventura County region. Okay. And uh, you were there a long time. Yeah, it was it was actually in my tenure as I I made my way through the career for my career 14 years it, is uh it was a long time. I had a really wonderful progression to get to that point. I in my career I dabbled in a few different areas generally in roles and responsibilities that lasted three to five years or so. And then this opportunity came in, up in Ventura. And if you're not super familiar with Ventura County, it's right on the coast. It's um, a lovely part of right on the border of sort of Southern California and the central coast of California. It's just a beautiful area, super mild climate. You know, I'm hearing these horror stories about the East Coast and Nor'easters and all of those types of things. And I think today it's a little bit breezy, but it's going to be about 65, 68 <laughs> degrees here in on February 3rd. So, so yeah, so it's been a great place to to live. And and prior to that, I had been with another one of Metrolink's member agencies, the San Bernardino County Transportation Authority. So again, most of my career has been in this transportation sector. Um, although the very first place I started, my first job was with a city in Southern California and. Just as a little anecdote, one of my very first projects I did working for the city of Rialto, which is in San Bernardino County, was being was the project manager for the building of the Metrolink station in the city of Rialto. So it's sort of I'd love to think that so long as my board will have me at Metrolink and that I will be able to say sort of from a career perspective, cradle to grave in in working in the Metrolink system and being a part of the family and I'd only add that one of my other stops along the way was living in San Bernardino and working in downtown Los Angeles and a three-day-a-week rider, commuter of the Metrolink system, just as 
you know, just as our customers are today. That's great. So what led you to leave the job in Ventura County and take this? Or was it opening and you applied or what happened? Yeah, so Metrolink has had a series of CEOs over the last um, 10 years. In fact, one of the one of the um, points that's been made very clear to me when I started at Metrolink was, first of all, you know, come soon and stay. You know, there's a desire for uh, the CEO at Metrolink to be around for a, a long haul. And I think one of the things is as a 14-year executive director, there was like I could share that I don't bounce around. I, I want to get to a place and I want to do what I can to bring vision and leadership for the longer term. One of the CEOs, uh, the immediate prior CEO, my my predecessor was Stephanie Wiggins. Stephanie Wiggins served in the capacity for a couple of years, and she is now the chief executive officer of LA County Metro. Again, one of our other member agencies in the Southern California region. You know, Stephanie came in after having been a uh, a lieutenant at the at LA County Metro and became the CEO of, of Metrolink and started putting some really good things in place. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and you know our world changed. And Stephanie had this opportunity to be named the. It doesn't matter, but it, she is the first female. It does matter. First female chief executive officer at the LA County Metro, uh, and also as a black woman, another great opportunity. So she had this opportunity to do that. And I believe it or not, I've known Stephanie Wiggins probably longer than most anybody in this profession. Stephanie and I first met, I mentioned earlier, my job with the city of Rialto in San Bernardino County. Stephanie's very first job was for what was then the San Bernardino Associated Governments, which is now the San Bernardino County Transportation Authority, in the accounting department. I got to know Stephanie in around 1991. Um, so Stephanie went on to Metro and she said, and, and she's known of my history and, and said, Darren, you've got to apply for this. And it's always been something in my mind, Paul. I was always, you know, I've always been a, a Metrolink fan, a big supporter and so it's like, well, let me think about this. And then I also had some encouragement from others in the industry. And while I really enjoyed my job at the Ventura County Transportation Commission after 14 years, I thought I'd probably gotten to be, I was able to do maybe as much as I was going to be able to do. And at some point as executives in our careers, you say, okay, I don't know that I can do more. I've probably gotten this organization and and to a place where you know, if I'm going to make a move, it's in a good spot. There's uh, a board that is supportive of the work that's going on. Here's that chance to make a change. And of course, then I look at and I see the tea leaves and we know with the new administration, the Biden administration, the push that was going to happen in infrastructure. We all were hearing that there, we didn't know when a bipartisan infrastructure law was going to happen, but we did know it was going to happen. And we knew that there was going to be a very heavy investment in rail. So who doesn't want to walk into a sector where you can expect a massive investment? When we all talk about our biggest challenges for the last 40 years, certainly at Metrolink, the last 30 years is where are we going to find the money to build stuff? Well, the federal government clearly made it very clear that we were going to be getting that opportunity. So that's one. In California, we have a substantial state budget surplus. And the administration in California said, we are moving away from an auto-based California. We want to get into more rail, and we are going to use part of this budget surplus, sort of yet to be defined, but we're going to use this budget surplus to fund 
rail improvements in California that match up with the California State Rail Plan. Again, this was going to be a multi-billion dollar program. So that's two. Three, there's this little thing called the 2028 Olympic Games in Los Angeles. And it's not just Los Angeles. The venues are going to be all over Southern California. At least three of the counties that Metrolink serves are going to have um, are going to have venues and events as part of the 2028 Olympic Games and Paralympic Games. And to be able to, in the Los Angeles bid, the 2028 bid, there was a strong push that public transit was going to be uh, the backbone for mobility for the 2028 Games. Well, the Metrolink system is that backbone. And it's the only transit system that serves every, at least as of right now, every venue that has been decided for an event. Wow. So it's we are awesome, going to be, Eric. and, and, I, and, and with one proviso, you're going to have to take one transit transfer. So we are going to be the backbone system that goes from downtown Los Angeles to at least what has been tentatively thought of is out at Lake Paris in southwest Riverside County, where the rowing events are supposed to be. And yes, we have a station called the Paris Valley Station. And I say Paris, it's spelled P E R. IS, not to be confused with the Paris of the 2024 Olympic Games. So in any event, that's the, you know, so you look at all this stuff and I go, I have a chance to be a part of that. And, you know, if Paul, if it hadn't worked out, you know, I had a really, I've had a really great experience in Ventura. I still live here. I'm in Ventura County. I'm going to be a commuter on our system until I'm no longer the CEO my my wife is a lawyer here in Ventura County. We weren't moving. And so if it didn't work out, okay. Yeah. But I'm really happy it did. Well, it sounds like you're the right man for the job. And and I also think that your uh, kind of walking us through your decision-making process there was very helpful. In my first book, Full Throttle, it was a story of 10 different CEOs in the transit industry, including my friend Brad Thomas had a first transit. He wrote a chapter in that book about when he – became president of First Transit. He had to leave upstate New York and go to Cincinnati. And the decision-making process he went through in order to analyze, should I take this job offer? You know, and you've, you've helped, I think a lot of us in the industry have offers at various times to take other jobs. There's so much changing, you know, the great resignation that's going on and people are wondering it. So just that kind of, you didn't go just on a gut feeling. You analyzed, you had, you know, you, it sounds like three different things happening. You had people encouraging you to take it, including the incumbent. Then you had the financial situation look bright and not bleak, right? And then you had this other once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be involved in the Olympics. I mean, those are that's kind of a really good decision matrix you went through there. Yeah, I mean, it was you know there was a, a lot of thought that went into it because my current my my role with Ventura was a you know it was a you know the lifestyle, my time. I had yeah. I was. I'll say this, Paul. I mean, I've never worked so hard in my life that I, as I have in these last five months, and mm -hmm. how I expect the next six and a half years. I mean, when how you know, so it really was very much a thought process because we knew that our lifestyles were going to change for you know personally for our family. Right. But I've also had the greatest champion in my wife who said, "No, you got to do this. If this happens, yeah, you do it." So it's great having that champion partner by your side when some of these yeah. big decisions are being made. That is good. So what were you, when you walked in the door, 
you know, your first month on the job? What kind of things did you deal with and where are you at now? And then let's kind of transition to where things are at now. Sure. So, you know, I've had a question along those lines, Paul, and here's, there's a lot going on. So my very first week, I got a phone call on the weekend, Friday night from one of my staff said, and I don't know uh, that this may have been heard throughout the industry. We run, one of our lines runs right along the Pacific Ocean in San Clemente in South Orange County. We had a major risk of a significant landslide that was going to put our tracks into the Pacific Ocean. Oh my gosh. So we had, I made, you know, one of my first big decisions, not that this was a difficult one, was we shut down the rail corridor between Orange County and San Diego for four weeks to make a repair because we were, we had not just the landslide, but we also had a storm surge coming out of the Pacific Ocean. So not, you know, we had waves breaking onto our tracks and then a bluff above the tracks sliding, moving literally several inches a day. And so it was, a, you know, it was an easy decision. We, you know, it's a safety call, piece of cake. Right. So that was in that first week. But, and so that was a crisis moment, you know, in a crisis moment, we all, you know, we respond. I had a great team. We had engineering firms that stepped up. The Burlington Northern Santa Fe brought in giant rock trains because our solution to shore up, it was just about dumping a bunch of giant boulders on the ocean side of the tracks. And so my own staff, it was just, it was a total team effort. So that was one of the things that happened. But I think the thing that was, as the new guy coming in, I walked in the very first day. I'm supposed to have somewhere on the order of about 200 people in our main headquarters in downtown Los Angeles. And I walked in and there were three people on the floor of the office. Because we're, again, we're in Southern California, depth of COVID, and everybody's staying home. We had gone to work remote on March 15th of 20, you know, whatever it was now, 2020. And we still haven't gone back to work in the office. I think the thing that I didn't quite appreciate after working in a small agency where people were around, generally we were taking all the COVID precautions, but in LA where it is, there were, you know, it was a, a super spreader area. You had to be extremely careful. Taking over and leading an organization when nobody is there yeah. and as a CEO, you're a leader, you're connected, you're supposed to be working with people and making connection with your staff, with, you know, stakeholders. It has been the single, and I am naturally um, an introvert. I mean, I can, I, I work well in, in, in groups. I can do it just fine, but I work in small groups. And so, but there's this part of leading an agency where you got to connect with people and it's been the hardest thing to not, you know, the introductions have been, I mean, I've not met 90% of my staff in person, maybe more, maybe a higher percentage than that. Now, the good news is that we're looking at coming back into the office in a hybrid work environment in mid-March. And so that'll happen. But that was uh, the strangest thing. And I think the third thing, Paul, was I've worked in, again, multimodal transportation, regional planning, transportation planning. I've never worked as a rail in in the railroad industry. I mean, our operations railroad industry. And the thing that I, I cite right now is that I we have to be a great railroad and we have to be a great public agency. And we're still trying after 30 years, this is our 30 30th anniversary of Metrolink this year. Finding that sweet spot of balancing and being great at both of those. 
And that's an area that we have some work to do and that I'm, you know, we're trying to improve our, I'll call it our government business practices, our public agency business practices. I think we're a pretty darn good railroad. We have things that happen, railroads do. I mean, it's a complicated environment that we work in. But we, and we're doing better at that all the time. I think we're going to have, we have work to do to really be a much better public agency in support of the, you know, the taxpayers that fund us. Yeah. That's good. Tell us a little bit about what's happening right now, you know, now that we're headed into this March timeframe, ridership-wise, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, funding-wise, with the new money coming in from your state and the feds. What's happening right now? And then where is it going? Well, let's just hit on the ridership question. I mean, it's, you know, we've not talked about this in the first 20 minutes. I mean, you know, the commuter railroad industry was, from a transit perspective, was the hardest hit sector of public transit by far. You know, we lost 90% of our ridership immediately. We've, you know, we've made some improvements. We actually also, when we did that, like most agencies, we reduced our service levels. We cut our service levels by 30% when we entered the pandemic. Our ridership, again, you know, it dropped um, where we had 10% of our pre-pandemic ridership. We have inched up a bit, but then we it's been two or sort of two steps forward, one step back between Delta in Omicron, where we've had to deal with that. So we're somewhere right around 28, 30% of our pre-pandemic ridership. But to my board's credit, we we worked hard and we're trying to restore some of our service. In fact, we had a plan to bring back two-thirds of the service we cut in December, December 6th. Well, our contract operator is Amtrak is our contractor providing engineers and conductors. So we're going through the process to say, okay, guys, here's your 60-day notice. You need to be staffed to make sure we can deliver for our riders and for my board. And everybody believes the only way we're going to get ridership back onto these systems is actually have service levels that people can use. Right, the chicken or egg. So so a couple days, you know, a couple weeks before December 6th, Amtrak sends us a note and says, we're not going to be able to provide it. We don't have the conductors. We don't have the engineers. So we're right now working with Amtrak to make sure that our next schedule change, which is scheduled for April 4th, that we are ready, that we do bring those service levels back and, you know, and start to move towards that fully restored level of service. I will say this, thank goodness for the CARES Act and the other coronavirus relief acts. That's how we funded keeping uh, Metrolink alive, was using those funding sources. So it's been that's been big. And of course, now with the bipartisan infrastructure package, you know, the sky's the limit from an infrastructure perspective, both construction of rail, state of good repair. We can't minimize that. That's probably one. We all want to build new stuff, but we have to do a better job of taking care of the stuff we have out there today. And then lastly, I think we're going to have this great opportunity for infrastructure, but we're going to need some operations funds. And that's going to be the thing, the long term real challenge for anybody in this business. Great to get all this capital funding and we're going to build it and we're going to have great capacity. But how are we going to make sure that we provide the operations that we need to do for to really take advantage of the capacity that we're going to have? That's great. Staffing wise, so you outsource the operation of it to Amtrak, you said. The, and then does the, at your stations, do you have interoperability? In other words, are there, through the five counties you're going through and into LA, are the regular bus services connecting in at hubs and things like that to make it all kind of, you're kind of like a main artery and they're the links or something? 
We are, we're doing better at that all the time. So we have agreements. I think we're up to 60 something odd public transit bus transit agencies in Southern California that we have agreements with that they can use their Metro, they can use MetroLink ticket and board any one of the buses. And so we have effectively, they can, that we, we have that pre-transfer arrangement with our system with six, I think believe we're up to about 60 transit systems. So we do have that. So that's the good news part. The not the, the improvement part, Paul, is that we can work better with our transit agencies. We have a number of our bus transit agencies that get an eighth of a mile or a quarter of a mile to our Metrolink train stations but they don't get to the train station. So as we look towards this future of, you know, improvement of regional transit in Southern California, we're going to be working with our transit agencies to say, you know, how can we plan this out just a little bit better so that we have that connection so that we can make sure that, you know, we have a number of our riders that just drive their car to the train station. And in Southern California, we grew up on the car. So we do, it does take a little bit of a shift in thinking, but we're working in that area. That's great. And I guess last question would be, Darren, as you look to the future, I mean, it looks like based on the Infrastructure Act that was passed, if it's all funded, this we could be re-entering a golden era of rail transportation. I know when I used to run the Mark train service into Washington, D.C., it's one of my favorite parts of the service. I just love heavy rail. We are, we're moving now toward more environmentally sustainable engines and things like that. But what do you give us a we haven't had many commuter rail leaders on the podcast, so give us your take five months in on the job uh, right. of where we're at as an industry. Yeah, because after five months, I know it all yeah. at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah, you should have it all down by now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think th- th- you're right, Paul. We are we are at the golden age of a new golden age of, yeah. of rail transportation. And, you know, it's the railroad industry is a hundred and what? 40 years old at this point. Yeah, started at B&O Railroad, baby, in my <laughs> old home. Yeah, and, and so, you know, at Metrolink, we we do have a climate action plan. We have a, a very ostentatious goal of getting to zero emissions faster than the rest of the country. California is certainly pushing that. California has been pushing through the California Air Resources Board, cleaner and cleaner fleets. We operate, you know, our big locomotives, the ones that you see behind me here, F-125s, they're tier, they're tier four. They're the cleanest birding diesel locomotives in the country. Interestingly enough, another real cool thing that I get to share, and we haven't talked about this nationally yet, so this is kind of breaking news. You get you get to break this, Paul, is that we're the first, we're the first railroad in the country to go fully renewable diesel in our entire system, not just our non-revenue vehicle equipment, but those locomotives you see behind me, we're operating on a full non-fossil fuel diesel. And so it's renewable from vegetables, vegetable oil, and um, fats and that type of thing. So, yeah. So so this is it, this is breaking news. Southern California leads, leads the country in going to fully renewable in our fleet. At least that's what my staff says. So if I'm, if somebody else, if there's another railroad that's out there says, no, Kevil, you aren't the first one, but everything we've done, it shows we are. So, but beyond the, the renewable, Paul, we are looking to a zero emission fleet. We're gonna start, ta- we want, we're working with the, both the California State Transportation Agency and Caltrans to start doing more testing and piloting of battery electric. We're working very closely with the San Bernardino County Transportation Authority for 
a zero emission multiple unit that's going to be hydrogen fuel cell powered. So, you know, again, those are that's where the future is going. And I love these big locomotives, but I don't know that is our long term. You know, do we start having to look for, for a different fleet mix that's lighter, more nimble, but still can operate on major rail, safely operate on rail corridors that have to share with freight railroads? One of the things I didn't mention is that yeah. we operate in a complicated environment. We're Metrolink, yeah. but we also have Amtrak on our system, Burlington Northern Santa Fe, and Union Pacific. So anything we look at towards the future has to recognize this very complicated environment that is Southern California's rail yeah. network. Because well, you it's know, the country, Darren. I mean, yeah. I had the same thing here. We have CSX who own the tracks that we're operating on. So anytime we want you know, a legislator would say, hey, can you add extra, you know, I said, well, we're negotiating with them, but they don't have any openings there for us to fit in. And it's the same in Chicago. It's all over the country, isn't it? It really is. And uh, in some of the cases, we public agencies own the right of way. In other cases, literally, you go down, you know, you go down to the next subdivision and you're on a BNSF owned segment. So, and, and then you fact that dis, the dispatching of all that, it, and, and then you throw positive train control, which this industry desperately needed. When you factor in all of the different players in this, it's a really complicated, it's a really complicated operation. My eyes are opened every day with something new in this business. Well, thank you for sharing what you've seen so far with us today. Sure. <laughs> my pleasure, Paul. My yeah, pleasure. It's been great to have you on. Great discussion. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for being a guest. Likewise, thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged In-Depth with our guest, Darren Kettle, CEO of Metrolink in Southern California. Next week on Transit Unplugged News and Views, we're back down to sunny Florida and Jacksonville Transit, where Paul is going to talk about AVs, autonomous vehicles and all the research they're doing there in their autonomous vehicle testing area that's going to be really cool now if you ever have a question or a comment or would like to be a guest on transit unplugged feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com so until next week ride safe and ride happy